This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hope you had a fantastic Thursday. I, of course, am in heaven. Why am I in heaven? Because even though it's preseason, I've got Giants New England and I've got Titans Ravens. And I've been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth getting some NFL football. Uh, and I love to hear from the Giant fans of what they saw at 1-800-919-3776. I know you're kind of watching the last, uh, you know, four-plus minutes of the game. But, you know, right now you've got uh, the, the, the threes against the threes. And some of these guys are not even going to be in the league maybe next week. <laughs> but nevertheless... You know, you want to, you want to, I understand this fans, you want to see everything. But I tell you this, and once again, I caution you. I don't want you to be overly critical either way on what you've seen. It's the first preseason game. It's a preseason game where the starters had one series. And then on the second series, you know, you lost an old lineman because of injury, which you don't want. And you, and you pulled one of your offensive linemen in Andrew Thomas. So automatically, if you're telling me, oh, you know, oh, here we go again. Daniel Jones running around. And it was a different offensive line. And, and the number one team for New England was still in. All right, so, so once again, you have to temper your criticism. What preseason is for now, obviously, is to look at what you can find against the ones against the ones early and then – you're looking at how the rookies are playing. You're looking at how, you know, the guys that could be on the practice squad, some lower draft choices, some free agents. That's what this is for now. Many teams don't even start players, don't even start their quarterbacks. So it's really different now on how you gauge it. Here are my takeaways early. I thought on the first drive, I thought Daniel Jones looked fine. Randy offense did what he had to do. Uh, Kenny Galladay, it would have been nice if he had caught the ball. You, you know, that would have been a seven, but you ended up having to go for three. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I thought and it was like what Jordan Runon had told us that the Giants were doing. They had him catching some passes, and he was running. Did not run the ball for a lot of yards. I guess he averaged maybe a little over three yards per carry, but he had some catches, had a catch, and did some moves. I know when Tyrod Taylor came in, the offense moved a little better, but that's to be expected. He is familiar with the offense under Brian Dayball, so he knows how it goes. Having been in the offense, having been in Buffalo, okay? Uh, So there was a bit of familiarity with it. I thought the giant offensive line, as you got further down, on the depth chart, had some issues in trying to protect the quarterback. But that's always the case, right? That's why you play these guys, to give them experience so they get a chance. And you try to match it up so it's the twos against the twos. You don't try to match it up where it's the ones against the twos or the you know that nature. You just try not to do that, okay? But once again, I thought, Taylor, look, listen, it's it's a low bar, I grant you. It's a very low bar. But I assure you, there is such a difference. If you're a Giant fan, if anything should happen to Daniel Jones, and his availability has been a question, if anything should happen to Daniel Jones, 
Okay, you have a very credible, professional NFL quarterback as a backup that can handle the offense. Okay, it's, it's, there's not even a question. Tyrod Taylor is up for the challenge. He believes he can still start in the NFL. Okay? Uh, Mike Glennon may think he could start in the NFL, but after last year, nobody thinks he can start in the NFL anymore. So you have a solid quarterback that can hook you up, keep you going. So I think that's that's the clear thing. That's one of the big takeaways from here. There's no question Tyrod Taylor is good. Uh, receivers had some drops. I'm noticing that now that Davis Webb is in in the second half, there's been – you know, some miscommunication with the receivers and the quarterbacks. Those things happen. They all don't get a lot of reps with each other. So, once again, it's the first preseason game. It's nothing that you're going to say, oh, my God, we're going to be horrible this year. Oh, my God, we're going to be fabulous this year. It's not. It's the first preseason game. Uh, I like defensively what the team did. They, they look solid. I know they're looking at trying to figure out some depth at linebacker. So, you know, uh, like I said, it was it was a it was a good first game for you. You've got stuff on video. You've got teaching. I will think that special teams is going to be, especially in the first half, they had some issues. Uh, so I think that that's going to be something that the Giants will work on. But once again, the reason why you're not surprised is because with special teams, you got guys going back and forth, right? You got guys. One week they're with specials, another day they're with, with the first-team offense, you know, the first-team defense facing the offense, another time then the second team, so they're all over the place. So they really don't get a lot of time to work on specials. So, I once again, they'll figure it out. They'll look at the video. They'll see what they need to tighten up on. i tell you one thing. Graham Gano is certainly in midseason form. He kicked everything. Extra points, field goals, he's ready to go. So you, you understand that, and <laughs> – Listen, as as an offense, you're happy that you have a really good field goal kicker uh, on your team because if your offense struggles and you can't get into the end zone, you can walk away and still get some points on the board. So that's important. So I think, once again, all in all, when um, you know Brian Dayball looks at the video from this game, he'll be he'll be he'll be okay. You know, nothing's going to jump out at him. I would think that's horrible. Nothing's going to jump out of him that's overly great. He'll be happy, and he'll look at it as a teaching opportunity, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, once again, obviously, and I, and I put an asterisk when I say nobody cares who wins or loses. The score is not important because, I mean, when you're playing a game, the score is always important. You want to say that you won, okay, because that's what you do. That's how you build. As far as what the team does, no, Preseason doesn't mean anything, but still, right now the Giants are on the drive. And so you want to – this is great. You want to see ending drives, how the offense looks, even though it's not the starters in here and not the ones or in in some cases not even the twos. But still, you're able to see how how the play call works, how how the communication is, how the quarterback runs the huddle. I mean, once again, you got Davis Webb who was with the Bills last year, so he knows – how to run the offense, he's going to be okay. But you're looking at your running backs, right? The third and third and maybe fourth guys at the running back. You're looking at your reserve 
uh, linemen. You're seeing how the technique is going with them. You're seeing how the, how the receivers, are they catching the ball? Are they dropping the football? So these are the type of things you're looking for in this Giants game. And, you know, New England's up by one. They just scored a touchdown, and you're marching right back. You had a penalty. You were in the red zone. You had a penalty. You're, mar- you're moving back, and, you know, you're coming up to the two minutes in the game, and you'll see how this works out. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll continue to talk Giants, and we'll also discuss maybe the Jets have a solution to Makai Becton. We'll talk about that next on ESPN New York Tonight. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York Tonight. Hardesty until midnight on 98.7. And yes, it's official with Makai Becton sideline all season with that knee injury. The Jets finalized a two-year $22 million contract with Dwayne Brown. As D. D Wood mentioned, uh, he turns 37 in a couple of weeks. Five-time Pro Bowler has 203 starts. They expect him to start at left tackle, which means, I guess, uh, Fant is going to have to move back to right tackle where he just moved to play left tackle. (laughs) So that's an issue. But once again, you need some experience. It's a two-year deal. Uh, You know, you got him this year. You see what happens. Obviously, it's going to be a draft situation. Uh, Obviously, you're going to look and see what happens. Will Makai back to you? worry about next year, next year is my point. Maybe Becton's available, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't, maybe you go to look in the draft for uh, alignment, whatever. But in any event, you've got, uh, you know, you, you've got Dwayne Brown, who was an outstanding lineman. All right. But he hasn't been in OTAs or anything. So the question for Damian Woody, uh, outstanding Super Bowl champion lineman himself, what's the challenges with no OTAs for Dwayne Brown? The one thing about being a veteran, veteran players know their bodies better than anyone else. So the thing with Dwayne Brown is he might be in shape, but he's not probably not in football shape. But fortunately for him, they still have a month to get him ready as far as getting in physical shape before week one. So Dwayne Brown, I think he's like 37 years old. Obviously, he's probably going to have to be managed from day to day. But he's a veteran. He should know how to get himself ready to go. All right, Damian Woody, what's your outlook on the Jets anyway? There's a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. The camaraderie, the chemistry is real. It's there. Those guys enjoy being around each other. They enjoy competing against each other. And from what I saw, you've seen some some real growth out of those second-year players from last year's draft. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a very talented roster. It just got to all come together pretty quickly because they're dependent on a lot of young players to be key contributors to this football team. There's no question about it, and he's right. This is a very important year for a lot of the young talent on this Jet team. We've heard a lot about the draft choices. We've heard a lot about how good uh, this draft was, how good the offseason was, how they were able to add players. And on paper, they look good. Congratulations, Giants win against New England. Last second field goal, of course, by Graham Gano. You know he's going to make it. So they win 23-21. Uh, so listen, that, that's the whole idea. So now you have your linemen set. You'll get him in, you'll get him in the camp, right? He'll start working. Obviously, he won't be there tomorrow night. He won't be on the field tomorrow night, but uh, for the next week, next couple of weeks, you have him. You'll work him into the into the rotation, and you'll see what you have. The best part of this is you know you have an experienced guy who can handle anything. He's seen everything, okay? The only thing you want is to make sure that you bring him along, but you bring him along Right, you're not trying to rush him. Okay, 37, I'm sure he's been in some kind of shape. He's been to various camps. 
He's trying to catch on. And now he has a chance to once again get in, get into, get, continue his career. So you look and you see and you say, hey, this might be the guy we need. And hopefully he can solidify that line. And so if he does, he's able to play, he's able to play at the same ability and the same way he's played throughout his career. This is a win for the Jets. It's more, it's a more experienced line. The question then becomes now, what is your depth looking like? And I think that's going to be the next thing that Joe Douglas and company have to look and see. Okay, how what's the depth like on their offensive line at tackle, at guard? Who can they play in case of injury? Because obviously, who you had, you didn't have confidence in. That's why you went out and got this guy. All right, and there's a number of linemen. I mean, the Jets have drafted linemen over the past couple of years, over and over and over again. And it's not that they expected that, uh, you know, an injury would happen, but it doesn't seem like they believe or have a lot of confidence in the linemen that they have on the roster. So are they? can they be backup linemen? That's the question you got to have, right? But once again, what the issue is, the Jets have figured it out. So they've got alignment. And uh, going into tomorrow night's game, it's the same thing as I just mentioned to the Giant fans. Here's what you're looking for. And I would expect that Zach Wilson will probably get the same thing as Daniel Jones got tonight. He might get a series, maybe two, depending on how long the series are. If he's able to march down the field, you got a nice 8, 9, 10 play drive, he might be done. Because you've seen what you need to see from him in that sense, right? You've seen him handle the offense. You've seen him move the football, running game, passing game, you know, short passes, whatever the game plan is for the Eagles tomorrow night. You will march down the field and you'll see it. So that's what you want to look for. So depending on, like I said, depending on how good he is, okay, he may play. He's not going to play more than two series, I would think, okay? Uh, on the other side, what I'm very curious to see from the defense is, you know, once again, Robert Saleh has talked a lot about the defensive identity of this team. And obviously you're not going to see all of it in the first game. But I do think you have a tendency. Here's the thing. If you're trying to start your defense with a physical, hard-hitting attitude, all right, then there are going to be guys who are trying to make this team that are going to go out there and have that that mental, physical, hard, I want to make this team, I'm going to try to blow somebody up and tackle and hard hit and everything like that. All right, so, so the question and, and the mandate becomes for those guys is, hey, listen, make sure you make the tackle. <laughs> okay, you try to make a name for yourself and blow people up and, and try to make an explosive tackle and get on video, which I get. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to have a performance that jumps off the screen to the coaching staff. But it doesn't matter if you if you miss the tackle and the guy goes on and scores. All right, so you made the attempt at the hard hit, but you didn't do the fundamentals of wrapping and tackling and stopping the, stopping the player. And that's the most important thing, is being able not to get beat. Read your keys and do all the things that you need to do to, to make sure that the offense on the opposing team doesn't move the football. So that's what you have to do. So I'm very curious to see how this defense looks. Once again, if it doesn't look great, you know, you go back and you fix it. 
If it looks very good, yeah, you know what? It's not that good. <laughs> it's somewhere in between. It's the first preseason game. All right? And a lot of this I listen, uh, talking to Rich Samini in the week, I don't I don't expect Carl Lawson to play tomorrow night. Why would you play him? You got enough young guys out there. Let's see what these guys have. Lawson, you know, when the time comes, he'll be ready. Especially if you lost him last year in the preseason. Not in the game, but you lost him during preseason. So that's why you have to be very, very careful as to where and how you're looking at your personnel. Okay? You're looking at your personnel mainly from the young guys. You want to see what your young guys bring to the table. You want to see what your, you know, your your draft choices are going to be. You want to see how the free agents look at. Those are your priorities after the first drive on both sides of the ball. Right? And listen, it's an interesting situation for Salah because he wants to see how Zach Wilson has improved on and running this offense. And the only way to see that is to be on the field. But you can't keep him out there too long. Right? Because, you know, you don't want to minimize his chance of injury, especially in the first preseason game, with so much to work to, to look forward to. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the uh, Jets have in store tomorrow and how they look. And, of course, you can hear the game right here on 98.7 ESPN. Pre-game show with Dan Grasa and the legendary Greg Buttle at 6.30. And then, of course, Bob and Marty. Once again, another season of Bob and Marty. They've been, they're one of the premier voices in the National Football League, and they will have the call a little after 7 right here on 98.7 ESPN. When we return, we'll talk a little bit more football with you at 1-800-919-3776. Plus, I'm very interested that Buster only had some things to say about the New York Yankees after their lost weekend, well, not lost weekend, but their lost series in Seattle, back-to-back weeks. Plus, I want to dissect some of Aaron Boone's conversation on the Michael K. Show this afternoon as well. All that's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. And once again, look, and I heard Dan and uh, Mike Tannenbaum talking about this, Dan Gross and Mike Tannenbaum talking about this earlier on the K-Show. Seattle now, and they played both series like they were trying to send the message. Okay, serious. They played both series as though they want to let the Yankees know that this is not the same team that you won, what, 10 straight series against, uh, took the series in, in Seattle 10 straight years or something of that nature, the stat, some crazy stat like that. They came in letting them know that this is this is not the same Seattle team that you've been playing over the past couple seasons. And listen, Castillo helps them a lot. That was a that was a major move for them. Now, hopefully, if you're a Yankee fan, you're hoping that Montes Montes is going to be similar to you, if similar to what Castillo is for. Uh, Seattle once he gets his sea legs under him. But there's no question that this was a, a situation where going down the road and we're, you know, I believe that the Yankees, once they get healthy, will be back to where they are, where they were, and they'll be ready to roll. But they, listen, if you're facing Houston, you want to be home. You want to host that series. You want to have game seven in your stadium. 
And ultimately, that's what they're playing for now. Yes, I get that Toronto is, you know, under single digits, trailing the Yankees for first place. I get it. I understand. I still think the Yankees have enough to hold them off until they get healthy. And we'll find out in the coming week because they go play them. So once that, once the team is whole, they'll be fine. You can't deny what has happened to them injury-wise. They've had a lot of injuries. Okay, a lot of injuries. And, you know, uh, the Michael Kane one was huge. I mean, this was a guy who was pitching multiple innings for them, not just your one inning pitcher. He was pitching multiple innings. He would go two innings and help you, which got you to your closer. Right? So you're missing him. Uh, you know, Severino's not been in the rotation. I mean, I'll have to tell you what you've been missing. And then you lose Matt Carpenter, who's been arguably second to judge, your most consistent hitter on this team. So there's some struggles there. And you understand it. Let's see what Aaron Boone had to say on the Michael K show today. He weighed in on um, these recent struggles that the team is going through. Um, well, obviously, it's been a bad week for us results-wise and been a tough few weeks here just getting back in that really good groove that we know we're going to get to. So, you know, I think all things considered, I think we're in the right frame of mind and we just got to start putting it together on a nightly basis and, and get back to shaking hands after the games. Yeah, I'm sure that's – I'm sure the guys missed that. It's it's, a, it's an eerie, it's a somber, it's a, a very bad clubhouse when you go through losing as much as they have, considering how much they won earlier. One of the things that really jumped out, and we talked about it here, was how badly they ran the bases in that 13-inning loss. They had multiple opportunities to steal that game. And listen, if if they take two of three from Seattle, it's a different conversation, right? It's different. It's okay, they took series in New York, we took a series in Seattle. And you kind of, you know, you, you feel a little bit better about things. Uh, but they didn't. And the base running blunders cost them. Here's what Iron Boone had to say about those mistakes. Head on, attack each situation. One of the hard things is, you know, we made a real commitment to base running in the off season and then in the spring training and all season. And it's been a strength of this team throughout the season. So just because we've made a couple of mistakes, some are fundamental mistakes, some are mistakes of aggression. Unfortunately, sometimes that's part of it when you're going to play an up-tempo, aggressive style of baseball. So we've gotten a lot of fruits of our base running throughout this year that's helped result in a lot of wins for us. And now we've made a couple of mistakes. And, you know, especially as we've gone through these last few weeks where we haven't been racking up wins, had a couple of base running blunders that kind of get highlighted. So kind of the challenge is to lean into it, talk about those situations, what happened here, what went wrong, why, but also try not to lose our aggressiveness and the edge that we've created with base running. So that's kind of a delicate balance to strike. I don't want our guys being fearful out there because I think we're second in the league in stolen bases, and we're probably certainly in the bottom part of the league when it comes to team speed. So we've really leveraged base running in a big-time way this year, and I don't want a couple of blunders, especially in a week where we haven't played well or haven't won games, to be all of a sudden now pull the reins back and shut it down so that is a very very delicate balance right is you want to keep 
the aggressiveness of the team. Okay, you don't want them to start second-guessing and what's going on. You want to keep them motivated. You want to keep them aggressive, but you want smart aggression. All right, and what that means is, and you can just see it, it's trying to make sure we want to win this game. We need this win. It's taking that chance. It's let me get up, make sure I have a good enough lead so if there's a hit, I can score. It's trying to do and think too much as opposed to just looking at your surroundings and understanding what you do. You take advantage of the situation that's that's there. But you have to be careful. And once again, the one in the 13th inning is a little hard to criticize because the pitcher knocked it down. They lost sight of the ball. You know, he happened to pick it up and find find it and throw and start the double play. Okay? So, I mean, you know, that, that one, that's a tough one. But the other ones... With uh, the one with Ben Intendi that he just got, seemed like he got picked off. He didn't even know where he was going. He was running, and the pitcher hadn't even made a move yet. See, that that can't happen. That that can't happen. Okay, you love the aggression, but you got to be smart with it. So it is a, I understand what he's saying. It is a delicate balance because if you start pulling the reins back a little bit, then you're, you're telling them, you know what, I really don't trust that you're going to do the right thing here. But... Once again, I guess it's a situation where you just have to go back and continue to emphasize. And as you, you know, you, you have the discussion after the game and, you know, your, your coaches work with the players and make sure that, listen, you've got to make sure you look around everything because it costs you a game. And then here's the troubling part of it. It happened again and again. So not only did it cost you the game once, it cost you the game two more times. It cost you the game in the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th. And as I mentioned, the asterisk next to the 13th because, you know, that was a weird play. It was, it was just one of those plays that, you know what, <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. Let's talk about the bullpen. A lot of conversation now about Araldus Chapman. He's been back. He's been in low leverage situations. He hasn't been in a closer part of the game. He's been in like the sixth or seventh inning, maybe the eighth. Just waiting to see what's going to happen. So the guys asked Aaron Boone, uh, has Araldis earned some more high leverage situations in your mind? Oh yeah, he's already in a higher leverage situation. I don't know if I'm going to throw him back in the closer spot necessarily, but we feel great about where he's at. The last seven has been as good as he's thrown the ball since the first part of last year. And he's got some confidence back with his fastball. He's been real consistent with it. He's throwing strikes with it. Then it allows him to set up his secondary. So the split finger to to right-handed hitters, the slider to left, he's not so predictable with that because he's being really aggressive with his fastball. And he's in a good place delivery-wise, and it's been exciting to see him kind of really bounce back like this really over the last month. So we're going to continue to put him in big situations and parts of the lineup that we feel like he matches up really well against, but we're really excited about where he's at and how he's throwing the ball right now. Yeah, and, and I get that, and I'm sure he's he's being honest. They are, they are excited. But the fact that he's not ready to put him in the closer's role with the way that Clay Holmes has struggled over the past couple of outings for him, tells you that I'm not sure just how confident he is in him. I'm really not. 
I mean, so he's got some, yeah, he'll get some more high leverage situations and that's going to be a good thing. And maybe he'll, you know, you got to work him in. You have to make sure you show that you have confidence in him, that he brings something to the table and that he's going to be, you know, he's still a part of this team, quote unquote, as a member of the relief, you know, as could be maybe a close, because here's the thing. If, if, if Holmes doesn't straighten it out, you may have to go back to Chapman. I know Yankee fans are just rolling their eyes. Some of them are driving off the road right now. I'm serious. You may have to. You can't continue to bring Holmes in and he blows games. You can't. All right? You, you've got to figure out what's going on with him. What's, there's must be an adjustment that has to be made. There's something that maybe the rest of the league has caught up with him that they picked up. But there's no question he has not been as effective over the past couple of weeks as he was earlier. Now, is he pitching more innings because of the situation with, as I mentioned, Michael King? Loisaga is, you know, who was the original Michael King is, you know, still you're still trying to get up to where you can trust him. You're still trying to get a consistency with him. He had He's had some pretty good outings until the one in the 13th where he blew that game. But this is an interesting situation for the Yankees. And, yes, they went out and they added some depth. Cashman did a good job, brought in Efros, brought in Tavino. So you have extra pitchers, relievers that you can go to. And Wandy Peralta has been good. But you really need Holmes to come back to be close to the guy he was. 1-800-919-3776. Taking your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Let's go to the phones. Josh is in Long Island. What's up, Josh? You're up first on ESPN New York tonight. Larry, what's up, brother? What's up, partner? So listen, this whole not getting Luis Castillo reminds me way too much of Cliff Lee back in 2010. Wow. I hear you. Yankees don't want to give up their prospects. Eduardo Nunez back then. <laughs> and what he end up doing? Squat. Yeah. And look now. Cliff Lee, that year, beat us in the playoffs. If we had him, I'm telling you, we go back-to-back that year. You're right. There was a lot of conversation. Gosh, there was a lot of conversation about that, right? Cliff Lee was, was like, for several years you were talking about getting him here. Yeah. And now, well, with, with this guy Castillo, now we don't have him. Montes, I think he'll be all right. But he's, he's not the number two that we needed. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, Josh. Thanks for the phone call. I guess to Cashman there and, and the Yankees, they feel that Severino's their number two. And then he's coming back. And so uh, Montes could be their number three or it could be their number two. Uh, if, if, you know, depending on what you get from Severino. As a matter of fact, uh, Frankie Montes was one of the topics of conversation that Aaron Boone had with the fellas on the Michael K show today. Here's what he had to say about his latest edition. 
I think he's going to be great for us. I really do. I love his demeanor, love his kind of way. He's really excited to be here. And I think this is where he wanted to be. I think he's equipped to handle it. You know, I think that first start was just unique in that he you know, didn't have a big pitch count. Million degrees in St. Louis on an afternoon game where he flew in the night before, where obviously dealing with a family situation with a death in the family. So, And obviously with the trade deadline, moving and getting traded. He's been great, though. I don't think he's really phased by uh, struggling through that first outing and looking forward to him getting back on the mound Saturday night here in Boston. He should be close to, you know, a full complement of pitches. You know, we'll probably have him more up in that 85, 90, 95 pitch range, which will be nice. And I think he's going to be a huge addition for us. Well, it will tell you a lot about him, right? It will tell you a lot. And you're facing a Boston Red Sox team. I mean, let's face it, this is not the – Vintage Red, Red Sox of Big Poppy and Company. <laughs> this is a Red Sox team that's been struggling. This is a Red Sox team that, uh, when you look at them, they've been had they've had trouble running the bases. They've had trouble catching the baseball. They've had trouble hitting. This has not been your prototypical Boston Red Sox team. This is nothing close to the World Series team of just a couple of years ago. And so, to be honest, this should be a get fat weekend for the Yankees. This should be a weekend where they're able to go out and score some runs in that park and get themselves back on the winning track. I mean, you're looking at a, you know, looking at Domingo Herman pitching on pitching tomorrow night, then you heard Montas is going to pitch on Saturday night. So, you know, you got to be able to score some runs though. We talk a lot about what's been wrong with the Yankees pitching. Talk a lot about what's going on with the bullpen, and they've had issues. There's no question. They've not been as solid as they've had before. But once again, you got to score runs. I mean, you just do. All right, you go back to that. I mean, the the Yankees went through, what, one run in about 17, 18, 19 innings before they got three in, in yesterday afternoon's game in that seventh inning? I mean, they've gone a while without getting runs. I mean – that's not what you want to see from the offense, even though while I understand you're missing some parts of it, there still should be enough for you to be able to to earn some runs and find a way to get some runs. This is a very talented team still. Now, listen, I get that Matt Carpenter was a, was a look, a major loss for you right now. And as Ivan Boone told the guys, he might be back before the season's over. I think he's a great guy and a really good teammate that works. So, you know, there'll be a I think it's realistic. I mean, whether it happens or not, I think we'll have a better idea in about three to four weeks when they re-X-ray it, and that'll be the telling thing. Like, how's the bone healing? And that'll give us the indication of what a real timeline's going to look like. You know, I know they're really encouraged by it not being something that's going to need surgery, ligaments, and all those things are good. It seems to be a pretty clean break, so it seems to be pretty straightforward. So we're hopeful that that is the case but we'll have a better idea of that in the next few weeks and in his stead Miguel Andujar is back up with the big club so Aaron Boone what do you expect from Miguel this time around 
I mean, he's a great guy and a really good teammate at work. So, you know, there'll be some opportunities here and there, certainly in the immediate against some left-handed pitching or, you know, a bat off the bench on a given night. He's really worked hard at, at making himself a capable outfielder. So he's really played a really good left field for the bulk of this season, mostly in AAA. But even with us, we're seeing the athleticism out there. He more than holds his own out there. So that's been good to see. And I know it's been a difficult season for him and just being a little bit up and down and spending most of the year in AAA, but he's handled his business. He's gone down to AAA, and even though not being happy about that, obviously, he's gone down there and gotten after it and put together a good season down there. And hopefully he can give you some hits here while he's up because he it's amazing that this was a guy who was, in many people's eyes, uh, was a very, very, very close second to Otani for having rookie of the year. I mean, the fact that Otani is able to pitch and play the outfield, that obviously clearly is the, you know, the, the selling point, and that was the difference. But his rookie year was very good. He showed a lot of promise. Had some issues at third, so you knew that, uh, you know, something was, the field was an issue. Uh, but nevertheless, he showed you that he could, you know, he could hit the baseball. And so he just has not been able to recover that consistently because he really hasn't been here consistently to hit in the majors because you can't find room for him, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. That's how talented this team is, that you haven't been able to find room in a spot to find out whether he can, you know, whether he can be consistent and be that guy that is your everyday player, right? And once again, there's some Yankee fans who would say to you, see, we should have moved him. We could have used him and gotten uh, you know, another player that maybe another pitcher or another reliever or another star outfielder or another first baseman. We should have put him in the trade and and you know, moved on because he's been he's been okay, but he hasn't been able to contribute to this team. So, you know, hopefully now in this situation, that's what he'll be able to do. But clearly, this is a spot right now for the Yankees this weekend where, for me, they have to. They have to go in and find a way to sweep Boston, even though Boston beat Baltimore tonight. Once again, Baltimore's been playing, you know, Baltimore's been playing great. They've won seven of their last ten going into tonight's action. And, uh, you know, so they were able to beat them, and they and the, and the, the Red Sox had been, like, struggling. They would lost six of their last ten, and, you know, they were, they were struggling. So almost as bad as the Yankees. You imagine the Yankees had lost eight of their last ten games. The Yankees have lost eight of their last ten and still have a double-digit lead in their division. Eight of their last ten. Toronto's gone five and five over their ten, and Tampa's gone five and five over their ten. So they really haven't been able to uh, gain ground. Okay, still haven't, still haven't gained ground. So you know, and Houston is five and five in their last ten. So you know, you, you never want to struggle, right? But for right now, with the struggles that you've had as a Yankee fan, you're you're feeling, you know what? 
if you have to struggle, now's the time to do it because you got Houston struggling with you and you got your division still intact and you're just biding time. And I said this as soon as the injury started. All you have to do is try to buy time until you get healthy. If you can play 500 baseball until then, that's what you do. You just don't want to be sub-500. Then, unfortunately, they have been sub-500. But you're just trying to hold on until you can get things back, until you can get your players back, and you can get geared up again. And listen, I know that there was this talk about uh, you know Giancarlo Stanton being able to go this weekend in Boston. doesn't look like that's going to happen. But you'll get him back shortly. You'll get him back next week. So that's the that's the uh, scenario that you have. And listen, you want to make sure that you can hold on because the bottom line here is, yeah, you're looking at the division, of course. You want to win. You've, you've, had, you've been the best team in baseball for most of the season. And you've had a huge lead running away. At some point, at one point, you had the biggest lead in, in your division separation from you to the second team in all of baseball. That's how dominant you've been. And so, yes, of course, you want to win the division. You want you want to win. But ultimately, because listen, you want to win because you don't want to go through these wild card one one game eliminations and you're on the road and all this stuff that has plagued this team over the past couple of years. You don't want to do that. Okay, you don't. But you really want to make sure that you have a better record than the Astros who have one more win than you do right now. That's the other thing. You really want to make sure that you do that. The Central is, I mean, you look at the Central. Remember how Minnesota was? Minnesota was rolling. They were rolling, right? They were just having their way. And now Cleveland, winning five in a row and seven of their last ten, they're now in first place by game and a half over Minnesota. The Guardians, okay? So clearly, uh there's no wild card coming out of that division. <laughs> There's no wild card coming out of the Central. That wild card is is coming out of the East and the West. Nothing out of the Central, my friends. Nothing. No way. Nothing out of the Central. <laughs> you can forget about that. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll continue our chat about baseball. We'll talk a little Mets. We'll also hear from Jalen Brunson, who was on with Barton Hahn. Talk a little Knicks basketball. And we'll recap and see how the Giant fans felt about their team's first preseason game. I know that they already have a report. I know there's some of them that are saying Daniel Jones is horrible. Just relax. We'll discuss next on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 